Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of the Malted Muse podcast. Well, the Malted Muse podcast is back again. I can't guarantee there's not going to be further disturbances. The the work on my house that caused the um, Malted Muse podcast to come offline for a little bit um, are still going on. There's still a lot more to do. And there's lots of other things going on in my life at the moment as well that is that is causing some disruption to service. And the Morted Muse studios have moved. Now, by studios, I mean microphone. And by moved, I mean normally I record things in my own home. I'm not able to do this bit in my own home at the moment. So here I am using a little iPod to actually record in my car whilst it's raining like anything outside. So I apologise for the poor quality. Time is an absolute premium and finding space at the moment is also another absolute premium. So the standard of the Mortar Muse podcast at the moment will have diminished. There's so many things I want to talk about, haven't got the time to do it. But that's not to say that I don't want to and that's not to say there aren't some things out there that I can put out. Now last night via Skype I spoke to Darren Rook, who I'd spoken to before in a previous episode about Village of the Dram and about um, Movember, but he's involved in another project, one that's really exciting. So without wasting any more time with me just rambling on, let's get down to that discussion that I had with him last night. Now, Darren... Nice to talk to you again, as always. Um, last time we spoke, you were very busy with Village of the Drammed. H- how's that going for you? Um, really good. So I think episode five went up a week ago. Um, and yeah, it's we, we've recorded episode six. Next week we're doing episode seven. Um, we've got a, a young lady who does a really good blog, Um called Miss Whiskey. Uh, oh, right. that's, that's the blog site, misswhiskey.com, I think it is. Um, Owen Gwilt. Um, and she, she's actually got a production background. Um, so she started helping us out on episode five. So you'll probably see that the, the camera quality improved a, li- a little bit from what we had. Um, and yeah, we're, we're just starting to forge, it, forge ahead with that, really. Um, yeah. yeah and just to refresh people's memory, you can get that direct from... Your website. Yeah, which is just villageofthedrammed.com. Yeah. Um, and also you can get it from iTunes as well. So if you search for whiskey somewhere, hopefully around where you pop up, um, we should pop up not too far from that as well. Oh, you're ahead of me, I think. Really? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. If you type in whiskey and look at podcast, you get um, the whiskey guy. Yeah. Which is yourself, yeah, and then shortly after that, village of the drowned. Really, oh, well, I just don't understand iTunes and how they pop up. To be honest, I, I don't get it either. No, I mean I've got two podcasts: the Whiskey Selection and the Morted News. More people listen to the Morted News than the Whiskey Selection, right? And yet, Whiskey Selection's always much higher on the iTunes thing than the other one. It's it, it's strange. It's a strange thing, but yeah, no, it's yeah. Um, you can get it. I I I don't understand how it works. Um, but yeah, you, you can get it off of there. 
And we're also one of the things that we we started out with was a competition, um, which was whiskey whiskey beard, um, which is a take on a website which is Travel Beard. Um, mm-hmm. One of the guys, Jason, who who's in the podcast, um, is in and a huge fan of of Travel Beard. So wherever he goes, he takes this fake kind of very Jewish looking beard with him, and and he gets a. Uh, pictures taken at monuments and things and put it up and there's a bit of competition on travel beer but we've done a whiskey version so if you're visiting the distillery or anything like that um if you if you can be prepared enough to take a fake beard with you it has to be a fake beard um take a picture send it into us and we've got we've got a little selection pack building quite nicely we've been given some great stuff from a few of the brands um and others are that's marvelous there's a really nice compass box t-shirt and some whiskey in there and some Laphroaig, um bits as well. So, yeah. Um. Well, uh, Darren, let me ask you a strange question here then. So that's whiskey beard with fake beards. Last time we spoke, we were talking about Movember. Yeah. And there, is there something going on here about facial follicles you <laughs> want to talk about? <laughs> maybe um, I, <laughs> I have actually got a beard at the moment um, I'm constantly changing my look I guess but uh, yeah the, it maybe the, there's a bit of a fetish there for facial yeah. hair I never knew about <laughs> <laughs> listen you were very busy with that at that point but that's not the only project you've been involved with isn't it it's not it's not you're right What's the other one, the, the the other main project you're involved with at the moment? So this, to be honest, it's it's an an on a, quite an ongoing thing, um, which is basically I'm opening a distillery. It it started two years ago, essentially, when I was still working for the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, um, and I was approached by this this one of the whiskey bloggers actually, um, Joel from Castrenth, who'd met, met a gentleman, my, mm. what essentially is my business partner now, a guy called Nick, um, who was a huge whiskey fan and he's a member of the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. And Joel had been doing a tasting in Oxford or Cambridge and had met Nick and Nick said it'd be great to open a distillery. Do you think there's anyone who might have the knowledge there? Um, and Joel said, well, I'd love to be involved. So, And I've got two people who might might know a little bit. Um, and he brought my, Neil Ridley, who does Cast Strength as well, um, and myself in. And Cast Strength kind of developed into more than a blog, and, and they got a little bit overloaded. Um, and my son was due to be born last year in March. So our plans kind of got put on the back burner. And after my son was born, and I kind of spoke to Neil and Joel, they they'd kind of lost interest to some degree, and you know, with with everything they do with cast strength mm. um, and all the writing, and you know, you see Neil's name pop up in all these different books now. He's just wrote something on Cuddy Sark recently, and he's in this year's um, whiskey Bible uh, malt whiskey yearbook, and you know, and Joel's the same. So they're they're really busy doing prof- professional whiskey writing now, essentially, as well as the blog and all the other things. So um, in June, I guess, I, I left Master of Malt um, and became a freelance whiskey person and started up again on the distillery project with Nick and we registered the business in July um, and built up the business plan and all the other bits and had a little bit of a financial model. We'd started way back and came back to that and redid it and yeah, we 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 went to an investment meeting in December, which is the worst time to go go looking for investment because um, everyone's getting ready to go skiing or have time off. 
um, came back in January and we've already raised over a hundred thousand pounds. Uh, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's gone really good. Now that sounds like a lot, but of course distilleries, they take a lot of money to do. To do that's, that's right. And I, I think one of the things that, that probably is a caveat that I should mention on, on this is that we're not doing the, the sort of Scottish scale distillery. It's, it's very much the American micro distillery model um, where we'll make a single malt whiskey. Um, mm. But we'll, we'll also, so the historically London, the, the actual, when you look back at all the distilleries that have been in London, the last whiskey distillery, single malt whiskey distillery closed in 1910. Um, and there'd been other ones before that. And when you look at the ones before that through the Victorian era, the early sort of um, 1800s, you actually see that they had multiple sort of distillations going on the site. So they produced gin, brandy, and brandy was a big one because when the flocks were struck, the grapevines in France, um, you actually lost brandy to a greater, well, you lost brandy to a greater extent. Um, and that was the trendy drink of the day was brandy and soda. Um, so distilleries right across the UK picked up on that, started distilling their own kind of brandy or cognac. Well, it's a brandy because you can't call it cognac. Um, and this is where whiskey actually saw its rise at the same time. So a lot of whiskey production kicked in as well. And that's where whiskey and soda comes from because brandy was the gentleman's drink. Mm. Um, and, you know, brandy soda was in all the, the members' clubs, but when they couldn't get it, whiskey replaced it. Um, so what we're going to do is create a single malt whiskey, but also do a little bit of um, gin, so small batches of gin that we'll source good organic local ingredients. I've already sourced really good organic local barley as well. Um, and historically... Well, Dan, can I just interrupt? When sorry, you say I'm, I'm low... rambling on there. Yes, that's, that's no problem. It's, it's really interesting listening to you. But when you say local barley... Yeah. I'm not aware of an awful lot of barley actually getting grown in London. So either it's not that local or you're not in the centre of London. Explain that a little bit to me a bit. Okay, so the distillery is going to be in London, and I'm, I'm actually looking at somewhere in Battersea at the moment. Um, but I guess in my head, a 100 miles radius is still pretty local. You know, yeah, it's, sure. it's, it's a two-hour two drive tops, Yeah, unless you get stuck in London traffic. <laughs> but, yeah, so... There's, there's actually a Maltons, I've, I've been speaking to a few different people, and there's there's a good set of Maltons all within a 100-mile radius of, of London itself, Greater London. Um, and historic, so historically, um, when you were producing beer or whatever, there was there was a set of main barleys that, that beer producers or whiskey producers would use. Um, and in the 50s, the, the, when all the, the sort of gamma radiation experiments started on barley, um, and you see all these sort of hybrids and all the other things come through, Golden Promise pops up, and it became a really popular um, barley strain for, mm. for, for the producers. And I'm actually looking back beyond that. Um, so rather than Golden Promise, it's things like um, plumage, Sorry, I have to get this right. Plumage Archer, um, Marisotta. Um, so the kind of granddaddies of what are all the barley strains of today. Um, right. Yeah. So, so you're looking at using those older strains. Yeah, yeah. But you're not going to go way back to the... I mean, I think Brooke Laddie did an experiment, didn't they, using beer barley. 
Well, you're not going to go that back. That, that is what we'd be doing, you know. But at the end of the day, the the whiskey strains, obviously, the the heavily they never really talk about it, but they're heavily modified um, genetically. You know, all the, all these other things happen. So I'm just wanting to take it back and say, okay, well, in 1910, what would have distillers used? Mm. And they would have used those those what are seen as beer strains. But you're going to do this almost like, as you say, a micro distillery. Yeah. I'm presuming that you're going to be using a pot still that's going to be done in batches. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So expen- extending this, this um, old barley type scenario, would you be doing specific barley strain batch distil- distilling? Exactly, so that, yeah. Yeah, so you'd have one under one type of strain, then another one under another type of strain. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll be seasonal as well because it depends what the yields the farmers can can bring in. Um, so it might be that you know it, for the, the this year in September there'll be more Marisota than Plumajacha, so we'll do a majority run of Marisota with a tiny bit of of Plumajacha. And right. the other thing I, I want to look at is things like yeast strains. I was just well. about to ask you about so, yeast. So then we'll have we'll. We'll do small each batch for each cask. It'll specify what the yeast was, what the the barley strain. Um, we'll try and be really specific with the oak as well and, and where it came from. Um, so a bit like the wood experiment um, that you see through through the guys at Buffalo Trace. And yeah. We'll also fill with English oak casks as well. So I'm I'm in the process of just um, finishing up talking to someone about commissioning a small batch initially of just English oak, just to see what it does. I've heard I've heard negative things from guys in the whiskey industry that you know it's not quite right. But if you don't try, you know, um, it's always worth it. Now this is so interesting because you're you're making me think you're going to be doing one thing, and then suddenly you whip in something else that makes me think, oh no, you're not going to be doing that. Because when you start talking about old barley, yeah, um, that made me think. Well, what are you doing here then? Are you going to try to recreate old style whiskey? But now you're talking about using English oak. Now, if my understanding is right, in the past English oak wouldn't have been seen as being the the most common thing. It had been sherry cask. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to be experimenting with new ideas as well as trying to recreate some of the old stuff. Exactly, and and one of the things we like when you're saying about experiment with new ideas, um, we won't be getting our stills from Forsyths up in in Scotland. We've I'm sourcing from a German stillmaker um, called Christian Karl, and I, I just I find the stills are a little bit more innovative and um, have more flexibility about them, and the the the. I'm actually so the still size. When I say a micro, um, I think when everyone who's geeky about whiskey thinks about um, still size, it has to be 1,800 hectoliters, um, right. and it's it's a misinterpretation of the law. Um, and I, I might be proved wrong here um, in the long run, but we're actually going for 650 liters liter stills as well. Um, so they're going to be undersized stills to what the Scottish normally use, with sure. a few tweaks and some German engineering. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, because if my understanding's right, um, St. George's, 
the English distillery as opposed to the one in America. Yeah. Um, when they started up, their first idea, if I'm, if my understanding is correct, was that they wanted to be um, along the lines of a micro distillery, but hit legislation and had to use bigger stills than they first anticipated. But yeah. you're thinking, no, we found a way around that our stills can be, we're going to be okay with these small stills. Yeah, I think probably it's one of the biggest advantages. Um, and I, I, again, I might be proved wrong here um, that we'll have over St. George's is one of the, the non-executive directors, a guy who brought in called Alan. Um, and you can find him on the website, which is just the London distillery.com. And if you go to people, he's in there. Um, Alan is a licensing expert and works within the whiskey industry on all these other things, like all the duty things, and um, generally he's a, a bit of a fixer. Um, I think when you look at our, our, our kind of team that's on there at the moment, he's probably the one that, that's a bit of a sleeper. Um, and I think for me in the long term might prove to be that, that sort of real heavy hitter out of the bunch. Um, and Alan was involved in writing the original licensing laws. I don't know if I can say that. Um, right. But he was involved in that original licensing um, process. He worked for HMRC, um, or it wasn't even called that. This is back 20, 30 years ago. Um, and ever since now, he consults for companies like the Azure and all these other people. Yeah. So I think it's it's about interpretation and actually going to HMRC and, and, and presenting your case in the right way well, that's the way I understand it and I, I think I think that's that's the issue that a lot of people who try to put small stills in in don't have the correct interpretation again yeah. I, I, I may be totally proved wrong here but we'll find out but let's talk a bit more about this still so you've got you've got the still or is it just ordered um, I haven't ordered it yet so the, the, the key thing with with all of this is um you have to first have your location, sure. um, and then you speak to, to the customs and excise guys and the planning permission people, and you get the go-ahead essentially that it's okay to do to order the stills, um, and then you place your order. So I actually I, I did a distilling course a year and a half ago with um, with Christian Carl in in Michigan in in New York State, uh, sorry in in Detroit. And, um, or Michigan State, sorry, what am I talking about? I went to Michigan and um, did this course anyways with these these guys. Um, and we've been regularly meeting up. They come to London. They supplied the stills for um, Sipsmith. Um, Adnams, they've supplied the stills for and Chase Vodka. Um, so, yeah, I, I see them probably twice, three times a year, and we just check in and make sure everything's all right. And I regularly email them. So we, we've got a really good sort of dialogue on and have a great idea of what, what each other want. Okay. So you've not ordered it yet, but I'm presuming you've got an idea in your head what it is you're actually wanting to order. Yes, yeah. Can you talk about the still itself? Um, yeah, so it's copper still, um, pot still. Just it, it, it look like a little bit like a regular... Um, whiskey still um some slight differences one of the things that that the you see quite a lot with german still makers actually is the a, a small rectification column built into the still setup which you can turn on and off right um so that that'll actually build, be built into the into the design um the base the actually 
rather than having the steam coils or direct fire to the bottom of the stills, um, they, they generally use a, what they call a water jacket or a steam jacket. Um, so it's just a, essentially a little little sort of water bath that goes underneath. And, and it's a lot more energy efficient as well. So, um, yeah, we, we'll have have this really nice little still. You can see them on the Christian Carl site. Um, so it'll give you an idea of, of what the stills will look like. Um, and one, how, how, one, when you say rectifying um, column to it, yeah, is that, how tall is that going to be? Is it, you know, is it quite a squat thing or? Oh, this this will be so the the measure them in plates essentially, and I think it's it's something like yeah to 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 make vodka as an example, um, to to do the with a rectification column, you need twenty four plates to be able to hit, and I might it might be twenty five. It's either twenty four or twenty five. Um, you need twenty four of these little bubble plates which help you know do all the distillation bits this will have about four to six so it's really just just for things like if we want to make um rye rye whiskey we can run it through the pot and then through the rectification column and then it it just helps raise the alcohol a little bit higher and and play around with things a bit and it helps i mean it sounds in this in a way very similar to what you'd expect from a loman still yeah 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 way, actually exactly um, one of the things that one of the criticisms that Lowman Steels used to have, if my understanding of that is correct, is that not everybody, but some people found that, that it was quite an oily texture to the whiskey that came out. Yeah. Um, is, what's your views on that? I mean, is that something you would object to with your your whiskey? Or I, I'm I'm a fan of kind of the oilier textures in whiskey. Anyways, I think you know when you look at distilleries like Macallan, you know the small stills. Don't fill them very big. They're cut so short as well. So the spirit actually comes out quite quite oily anyhow. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of a I'm a fan of that style. We'll we'll see. The the thing with the rectification column is really for the for other spirits. Um, so we can play around. You know, it's yeah. I'm a fan of everything. Whiskey's my my passion, but it's it's nice to be able to go. I wonder if we can make an absinthe or if we can do this and have have a couple of days where we just play around um and and you know knock something different out from what we'd normally do okay so that's the still you've got the rectifiers yeah what about the cooling part of it um so again it has a just like a normal still it has a built-in condenser um and and it, it follows just that standard kind of you know the shell and tube sort of setup so yeah, it, I think what my plan, what my ultimate plan is, is once once we get the the funding round closed, um, we're not looking to raise a huge amount, which is the virtue of going for smaller stills. Um, so in total, we're actually, I guess, we're aiming about three hundred and fifty thousand. But we've 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 also had a little bit of a boost from RBS and. And, and it's something I can't really talk about too much, but but it looks like we might have a have um, some funding in place through through RBS already as well. Um, so we only really need to raise a, a lesser amount. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, what's been the biggest obstacle so far, Dan? Biggest obstacle. Um, that's a great question. I think. For me, 
when Neil when Neil and Joel actually sort of took the step back, and it becomes almost a one man show in a way. You, you, I've got a business partner in this, which is Nick, um, a guy called Nick Taylor, but he he's full time. He's an investment angel person. He's run run microbreweries in the past, and and you know he's very busy, and essentially. I do all the the documentation and a lot of different elements. So doing doing this on your own isn't easy, and I think that's that's the obstacle for me is being realizing I I need to ask for a little bit of help now and again. Um, and I think my wife's been really good at stepping in on on some of the stuff. She's she's quite a, a good lady for for communicating with people and following up on on quotes and supplier things. Mm. So I've kind of brought her in a little bit, um, but it, 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 I guess it, it is that work, essentially working alone to do something that's considerably quite well. It's a big project, you know. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's a big project, but it's also, if I, if you don't mind me saying, it's one that's a bit more unusual to be doing in England, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. Well, if you're in America, you may well find there's a, there's a little group there that can be supportive to you. They're all doing it. I know there's one in Canada. I know there's one in the Lake District. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cornwall, I things think, like that. Yeah, but you, you look, you look at all those little groups, and 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 I think group is the key thing. You know, it's um, like you think of the guys up at at, um, at Pendaren. It was a couple of friends, you know. You yeah. look, you, you kind of look around. It's always groups of friends who thought it's going to be a great idea to do. Sure. Um, so yeah, that, that it's it, it's definitely. I'd say if any, if anyone wanted to do it, um, and that you know they're considering it, it's something that they have to get into with with a people that they trust and know that they agree on everything and have a very open relationship so if there is an argument that ensues or anything um you you're not going to fall out over it over it it's just business um and you need to to work together to make things work um and yeah it, and at the same time um realize that you have to give some that probably is one of the biggest challenges for me initially again because being new at this it's realizing that you have to, to some level, give a, a chunk of your investment away, and you can't be greedy. Um, going through the process and meeting some other investors, a few people have already failed at raising money for their their businesses because they haven't realised that they have to give a little bit away to get sure. what they need. Um, and I'd, I'd say, yeah, if you, which if is you, where the risk comes in, though, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I guess for me, uh, ultimately, I plan my. I, I'd be happy if I walk away with fifteen percent of the overall business by the time we get, you know, down the line. Um, which doesn't seem like a lot when you're doing it on your own. You put all this work in, but hopefully, you're building something of value. Um, and I, I think it's it's you have to realize that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but um, also one of one of the things we will do, Jim, if if everything fingers crossed and touch wood and all that sort of thing goes to plan, um, the guys from Christie and Carl see in the workshops they do in the states, they don't do over here in in Europe. So I've I've spoke to them about doing a workshop for people who want to set up their own micro distilleries, essentially, um, and if if 
hopefully I am proved right that the legal stuff is just about interpretation, we get that right and we can sit down with people and we'll put on a workshop for people who want to do their own distilleries and, and yeah. do a little bit of mentoring um, whether our model is the best or not. It'll, it'll help people get kick-started essentially. Sure. And that would also put you at, at the spearhead of a new movement of distilling in England, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, I guess that it would. I haven't really thought of it that way, but it, it, it's it's more it's healthy to have competition. And if Scotland does become independent, um, England's going to need its own distilleries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you going to call the whiskey, Darren? To be honest, it, <laughs> I don't want to say it's top secret. Um, okay, that's I, I all right. But I, I don't have a name for it at the moment. If if uh, That's me being very honest. And primarily because I think, in my mind, whatever the spirit's called, it's dictated by its location. Um, and I, I need to, to figure out where it's going to be. And, you know, if we end up in, a, in an old dairy building... Um, it might there might be some ties with that, um, mm. and yeah, if we end up in a in potentially an old distillery building in London, um, again there might be ties with that. So sorry, Jim, the, the, my Nicole's just pulling some cables around. Um, so there's a bit of background noise there. Yeah, no problem. The amount of disruptions I've had on this side, you know, <laughs> it's only fair for you to have a few on your side as well. Listen, I was going to ask you how long before you actually hit the market, but I think that's a bit of an unfair question um, because I'm going to presume that you can't really make any safe guesses on that at the moment. Um, well, I think with the, the moment, momentum we've got and the amount of cash we've already raised, um, hopefully, fingers crossed again and touch wood and everything, um, we should close the, the, the funding round um, which we, we've actually opened up to, to groups of people um, under the Founders Club on the, the London Distillery website. You'll be able to see it, and it sends you to a contact to a guy called Tom Billens, um, investors who we're working with. And Tom Tom's just keeping a sort of sheet of people who want to invest. Um, so if that if that all goes to plan and we, we've closed the round in, in late, sort of mid to late February, um, Location-wise, hopefully, I'm looking at something next week and it will come through. Mm -hmm. um, it, I've already been once and it, it's fantastic and I just need to, to get a better idea of some stuff. Um, yeah, so if that works out again, should close by February. We'll talk to, to HMRC and see if, we're, if we can move forward and if planning's all okay. By March, we, well, late mid-April we should hopefully have some Renault work going in we, we'd like to, to fit some, some solar panels as well so that might might take a little bit bit of time to sort out um, and then stills are on about a four to five month order period but again I think at this point I've, I've been speaking to the still manufacturers every fortnight um, since December so once I know that I've got the go I'll just, I'll just send them an email and, and yeah, ready to go, yeah. Yeah, and uh, fly out. So then hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping that we get going for, we get the still order in for March, mid-March, at the latest, early April. Um, we just need to go, a, like a green light from the HMRC while the process, the license and docs. Um, and then, yeah, we'll put the order in. 
and and that should arrive August. So just at the end of the Olympic, at the end of the Olympics, um, and we'll start distilling by September. Um, and will you be selling new make, or are you yeah, just going to? I think I think so. It 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 seems rude not to, and some people have already emailed <laughs> and asked if um if we can if they can pre-order, um. So I've got a little bit of a list going of people who oh, pre-ordered something that hasn't even been made yet, yeah. um, which is crazy. They're German, um, unsurprisingly. <laughs> yeah. I know one shouldn't talk about nationalities like this, but it just sounded such a British thing you said then. You know, it would be rude not to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marvellous. Well, Dan, if people want to keep in touch, if they want to keep up to date with what's going on, yeah. I'm going to presume that they can find that out via Village of the Drammed. Um Are there other ways of doing it? Yeah, if, if they're on Twitter, um, you can find it at London Whiskey um, on Twitter. So just that at sign London Whiskey. Um, obviously, that's whiskey with no E, so W-H-I-S-K-Y in the Scottish sense, um, or the UK sense, I guess. Um and then you can go to Facebook, and if you just type in the London Distillery Company, again, there's there's a page there. We've got probably about, I think it's 56 followers the last time I looked. Um, and I, I, I've actually started updating pictures because um, one of my friends is a glass blower, so he's blown some sorry he's blown some bottles for us um, for the gin side of things and the whiskey. So just putting up process pictures as we develop the brand and you know as we get the location again i'll put pictures up and i, I think depending on how the next couple of weeks go as well we'll we'll actually start recording the process of opening the distillery with a view to put all the videos up and kind of document the whole process as we go that's marvelous that is marvelous and i think that sort of documentation in decades to come will be so interesting for people to look back on as well Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I think if, 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 fingers crossed, we get the go on the licensing side, um, it'll be good for, for people who want to get going to look and see how, how we're doing it and what discussions we're having to help them, um, which is which is key, really. Yeah. Well, good luck with it, Darren. Yeah, thanks. I wish you all the best, and it's it's been a, tre uh, no, a real treat listening to you talk about it. Yeah, well, it, hopefully it all works out all right, and we'll be talking again in a couple of months, and uh, I'll, I'll be able to get you some samples of the new make. Marvellous. Well, thank you again for listening to this episode of the More to Muse podcast. If you haven't heard them already, there is a back catalogue of other episodes available on iTunes. And if anybody wants to contact me, they can do so. My email address is jim at com. There's the website www.themaltedmuse.com and there's also Twitter, Twitter at themaltedmuse. So thank you again for listening. I hope you'll listen next week. And until then, thank you and goodbye.